It's my joy and privilege to invite Steve Smart, Member of Parliament for the Africa Christian Democratic Party, to give our first lecture this morning, Freedom of Speech and Conscience, really important. We've known Steve Swat for decades, and we praise God, he's been a missionary to Parliament, had a prophetic voice, making a stand for us, speaking on the concerns, standing for the rights and life of the people, and so much more. Thank you, Steve. Over to you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see you all this morning, and thank you so much, Dr. Peter, for inviting me to address, and as I normally say, Dr. Peter, you're going to have to come and sit in front here because I'm appointing you as Madam Speaker because my time is limited and you will have to say, Honourable Member, your time has expired. So I've set my stopwatch, but it's interesting. I said it yesterday. I spoke in Parliament for three minutes and I saw it still going this morning, 16 hours later. <laughs> but Peter, maybe we just also from the ACDP congratulate Africa Christian Action for 30 years of standing in the gap of being brave and courageous and I just want to honor you I, I thought some prayers are with Leonora to, today as ongoing we've been praying for her as well and we want to congratulate you how many of you know Peter became a grandfather for the third time this week so congratulations but it is a significant day it's Ascension Day so from the ACDP we want to pray Lord's blessings upon each one of you this used to be a public holiday is it not significant for us? Why is it that where we have the majority of Christians in a nation, it's no longer a public holiday, but you've got the 1st of May, which is May Day. And I think this is going to be unpacked today with a wonderful agenda of different lectures. But I'm quite excited to speak to you a little bit about today, a couple of the issues that are challenging us. But it's always so important to have hope. And you know, I was thinking, wow, there's so much happening. There's so much happening in our nation. But... I, I was, uh, those of you might know, and thank you for those that prayed for us, and, and I just want to also just be Dorothy Scarborough. Thank you, Dorothy, for all the incredible work you do. It's so wonderful to see you in good health, coming up the stairs, beautiful, jogging up the stairs. And of course, Javi and Jackie, it's so wonderful to see you, and so many other friends. But it is, it's important. Last year, I, I was one of the first to, to be diagnosed with, I put it in inverted commas, COVID-19. Because we don't know what is it all about. But what was encouraging when the media uh, indicated that Kenneth Meshre, our leader, myself and Angus Buchan had been tested media, uh, positive. That was before I'd even been tested, by the way. Um, the number of political leaders that phoned me, political ministers, and sent me messages from across the board. And saying, Steve, we're praying for you. Now, I wish they acted like that in Parliament, but there is a remnant, there's a remnant within so many in South Africa of Christian believers. And I think that's our challenge, is to unpack that and bring it to the fore and not allow the silent majority to remain silent whilst you have the extremists that are determining the Marxist narrative or the liberal secular humanist narrative. And so those are some of the things I want to unpack. And, you know, I was just thinking back, um, Peter, when, when I was elected to Parliament in 1999, and, and Peter presented a biblical uh, seminar, biblical worldview seminar for us. And that gave the foundation to much of my thinking. And I really want to honor him for that. And the books he gave me then, Understanding the Times, 
the great Christian philosophers, Francis Schaeffer, uh, those books that, that formulated so much of my thinking over so many years. And I remember fondly, and we still, I mean, you, you didn't have it this year, but every year we have the funeral march for abortion. Why don't we, why aren't we even concerned about abortions anymore? Why aren't we? And thankfully, Africa Christian Action every year has a funeral procession, has marches. And it's always been an honor to address those marches outside Parliament. And whilst it might sound a bit sad, but it's also quite interesting. I remember the one year when we had a demonstration or a seminar in Parliament. And Peter, you brought all those small coffins. Remember that? And they were so sad, signifying death, but it was so humorous trying to get them in through security. Because they were sealed and they wanted to know what's going on, what's going on. And so thank you for being bold and courageous, Peter. Do you remember hammering the proclamation on the doors of parliament. Remember that. And this goes back, this has been our relationship for so many years. So indeed, we mark the 500th anniversary of Professor Martin Luther King's historic stand. My conscience is captive to the word of God. So I'm going to touch on a few aspects today as we see that freedom of conscience and speech has never been under more severe attack than we see today. And we are indeed, as, as Peter said, we are salt of the earth, light of the world, so let your light shine. And Anthony, thank you so much for your word of love and, and hope. And that, that is, that I, I try to extend, and it's sometimes a challenge in Parliament to extend that love. Um, you know, you want to make use of the fivefold ministry, the fivefold ministry, but we don't go there. But um, even to have Deep love for people that, that, that have a great animosity to you, to bless your, I hesitate to say enemies. But I remember the one day I built a relationship with, with Julius Malema. And I remember the one day hearing that his grandmother had died. And he came to Parliament and he had surrounded by his entourage of guys. And, and I said, Honorable Malema, I'm so sorry to hear that your, your grandmother has died. And, Please accept our deepest condolences. We hear she was a prayerful woman. She'd always be praying for you. And the host all stopped. And we're listening attentively. And I felt prompted to do something um, because I'm a, a mercy-hearted person. And I said, do you mind if I give you a big hug? <laughs> you get him at it. And he said, that's no, fine. And I gave him such a big hug. And I was praying for him as I was holding him. So love overcomes all. But sometimes it's a massive challenge in Parliament when so much rhetoric is spoken against you. And then thankfully I'm a whip in Parliament. I thank God that I'm a leadership in, in Parliament. And then one is reminded that Jesus also made use of a whip. <laughs> Do you remember? So there is love, but love requires action as well. Love requires action. And I think you've illustrated it so beautifully. And this is what Africa Christian and African Christian Action does so much is reaching out in the mission work, but taking a strong stand on their literature that has always helped me so much. So when we look at another date, and that is the 25th anniversary of our constitution. If I was to ask the average person, is South Africa a secular state or not? Now that narrative has been spoken that South Africa is a secular state. We are not a secular state. There is a very strong emphasis 
on religion in South Africa, and it's constitutionally allowed. And I think we need to have an understanding of that so that we can take up our space and not take the nonsense narrative that we're a secular state, therefore, um, you may not say this, you may not. And I remember the other day we were having a discussion in Parliament about um, the public hearings on the um, expropriation of land without compensation. And there was a move, because it's now been pushed, to sit on Sundays. And so I said, well, I object, because most people will be on churches on Sundays. And there was this massive argument, and uh, one person said, well, I'm a Muslim. So I said, well, if you're Muslim, you object to sitting on a Friday, or whenever you sit, that's fine. But I'm objecting to sitting on a Sunday. So the chairperson says, Mr. Swart, we're a secular state. So I said, well, I'm sorry to point this out to you, Chairman. You're a professor. You should know this better. But we are not a secular state. And in fact, the High Court in the so-called OGOD case versus Rand Park has affirmed that we are not a secular state. And I think we need to start exercising that space. And so I'm grateful to Reverend Kenneth Meshwe when the Constitution was drafted and the Liberals came and they introduced a sentence, South Africa is a secular state. He and others, Peter, I don't know if you remember, mobilized 50,000 people to march on Parliament under the voice of the Christian voice. And the pressure resulted in that clause being removed and another clause being inserted that says religious observances can be held in state institutions. Now, if you're a secular state, you can't do that. You can't do that. So many churches meet in school halls. Or you can have, if you go to the gardens in Cape Town, there's a beautiful statue uh, of, of, of Jesus. And come to me with water flowing. Come to me in streams of life giving water. That can't happen. That's the strict separation that you have in America. We don't have that in South Africa. So there are things to be grateful for, but at the same time, as we look at the Constitution and we start to see how it's been used to promote secular, liberal values and you name it. And what was one of the reasons why the ACDP was the only party to vote against the Constitution, we could see down the track the insertion of two words, sexual orientation in the equality clause. No other country in the world had those words to protect your sexual orientation from in the equality clause. By inserting those two words, we said at that time, it's going to result in gay marriages. The ANC, no, we'll never, never, never have that. It resulted in that. The abortion clause. All these uh, uh, sexual uh, reproductive rights it's put under such an interesting thing and so we need to have an understanding of how at the one hand there is space for the exercise of our religious values at the same time and this is the very important judgment that those of you that are interested in reading is read the home affairs versus Fareed judgment on same-sex marriages because it spends a lot of time saying how important the exercise of religion is in our society and important religious communities are and the role that they play and that those that feel deep-hearted we are called bigots and homophobics those that have strong religious feelings against homosexual marriages should not be considered bigots but should have that space and that's all said in that judgment but then it says that having been said 
your religious views cannot trump the rights in the Constitution. And then it goes on to say, we respect those views, but it cannot trump the rights of sexual orientation to allow same-sex marriages. So, if my, but if my sexual orientation is to be a pedophile, bestiality, it's directly in terms of the Constitution. You understand the slippery slope? So this is what we're faced with, is we need to understand that we are at war. We are kingdoms in conflict. And it is time for us. This place should be packed out. There should be people hanging from the walls to be here for what the equipping you are getting from later in the day. Not necessarily from me, but from what the equipping you get at this, the resources that are here. Why do we have so few people supporting the ACDP, supporting African Christian Action? It's an indictment. But thankfully, the God that I serve sees it and he shakes everything. He shakes everything. And so maybe the whole lockdown is a wake-up call for the churches. Maybe. Maybe. So you won't speak what I'm, I'm, I'm telling you to speak. You won't share the gospel. Then I'll just put a mask on you. I'm so glad none of you are wearing masks, by the way. But so these are the things we've got to grapple with. So I'm so pleased to announce today, ladies, that very soon you'll be able to have a number of husbands. As though having one is not enough. Are you aware of that? Yes. Let's just have a look. Every aspect of our Judeo-Christian civilization is under attack. It's kingdoms in conflict. You have a few weary soldiers. Weary. We are weary. Been 25 almost 30 years, but we will continue to fight, we will continue to stand for what God calls us to do. Peter will continue to do what God calls him to do, even if I remember the floor crossing, they were trying to get me to join the ANC, they offered me positions, they offered me everything. I said, Even if I'm the one man standing, I will never move because God has called me to this place. And yes, we've made a lot of mistakes. And I ask people that have been hurt by us, please forgive us. We're so sorry. We've made a lot of mistakes. But we thank God that we've got feisty four members. And there are other believers in Parliament that are now rallying, trying to rally around us. And we do have prayer times together. And so there is a remnant. There's a remnant that is starting to stand. And so I'm going to share some of these aspects which... Don't let them be discouraging, but the Lord is allowing us to have a voice and say, at least there was someone saying this is wrong. You can choose to vote in favor of it, but someone there in Parliament said this is wrong. So we had that judgment that came out, and the Civil Union Act was then passed to allow so-called same-sex marriages. I say so-called because the word marriage to me is very sacred. One of the answers was 
They said it must be allowed in terms of the Constitution. So I said, well, amend the Constitution. No, we can't do that. I said, I'll do that. And I drafted an amendment to the National Constitution. You say, a marriage is between a male and a female. That was the answer. It was shot down by the ANC, by the DA. Who are the Christians voting for? Who are the Christians voting for? Not the ACDP, unfortunately. Not sufficient numbers. So we can't really blame when God says, yeah. And I still remember your biblical voters guide, Peter. At the top. Exodus 18 verse 21. Have you ever thought, and please, the information I give you, share with someone. How should I vote? We need a strong opposition. A vote for a small party is a wasted vote. How can you say that when a little man, David, stood against Goliath? But who was the one that discouraged him? It was Elias his brother. Who was the ones that discouraged African Christian action and the ACDP? It's our own brothers in the Lord. It's disgraceful. Our state is in the situation that it is because we don't have men as per this injunction that was on, I remember so clearly on the biblical voters guide. How do you select a person? How do you elect a person? Exodus 18 verse 21. Select capable men and women, I add women, from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate this honest game. Just think if our politicians were elected on that basis. No, but we've got to keep the ANC out of the Western Cape. So we have a secular humanist party that is now having a gender policy that your children will go to unisex toilets, your little daughter will have a a gay person going into their toilets. There's a local government elections coming up. This is what we are having. Comprehensive sexuality education in our schools. Teaching young children. The gender policy is that the, the, the school children, if I understand it correctly, if your school child feels on a certain day that they, as a male, feeling slightly effeminate, then they can speak to the teacher or the headmaster, and they're calling a psychologist to mentor you in that without you knowing as a parent. Don't let that sound so shocking to you, because contraceptives are available to children without you knowing as a parent. Abortion is allowed at schools without you knowing as a parent only if there is a medical complication following an abortion and another operation is needed then you need parental consent what nonsense what nonsense and so we now sit in with the green paper on marriages the pastor should be outraged about this because you know one of the aspects that is going to be removed is the conscientious objection. So Anthony, I hope you're getting ready to have a, a woman come to you and say, I want to marry four husbands at the same time, please. <laughs> Do you understand? This is what can be legislated. 
and the right to conscience objection that we inserted that was always in the marriage act and that was inserted in the civil union act we said we opposed to this but at the very least put a conscientious objection clause in that was removed and it's not spoken about in the new marriage bill that has been proposed so wake up let's start being on fire let's have a bit of fire in our belly let's have some fire in our belly to start taking a stand The Equality Act, as I mentioned, where a lot of these issues, and let's face it, the gay agenda is well-funded, well-resourced, even using the word gay, using the word rainbow. And there's an amendment that has been proposed that will make it even more difficult for people holding to a Judeo-Christian viewpoint to oppose a couple come in that want you to have a marriage or something like that with strict as has happened already civil penalties possible criminal penalties and it's been tightened that's another act that we need to look at that is being looked at at the moment the hate crimes and hate speech bill i firmly and let me just make it very let me emphasize the point that i will I believe that any gay person that is abused or subjected to any discrimination must, must be protected. That's justice. That's extending love. And I'm deeply concerned at a high rate of attacks on gay people. But at the same time, there's a massive high rate of crime in our communities in general. When you look at farm attacks, you look at sexual attacks, you look at murders in the communities. So the hate crimes bill will make it a crime if you commit an offense with an underlying hatred of uh, whether it be a racial basis, whether it be um, homophobic, which is justifiable. But the hate speech side is the great concern to me. Where you start speaking and the person that hears it subjectively takes offense at what you say. Now, our Constitution speaks about any hate speech that, is, that encourages violence, imminent violence against that person. That is prohibited, and I would agree with that. That's war talk. That's what the EFF does on occasion. The economic freedom fighters. That's hate speech. Imminent violence threatened what about if you speak in a church or you speak about speak out against abortion and a person that's had an abortion takes offense and she says you've just offended me that will be a breach of the hate speech provisions speaking out in churches so we in the acdp took a strong stance on that and we managed to persuade and that is what we, we, we are grateful to be like, a, like Daniels um, with, with favor. Politics is about salt and light. It is about influence. And so there's a lot that happens behind the scenes where you would try to persuade um, the majority party, don't do this. So we engaged the Minister of Justice. Others did as well. And they took putting a 
exemption under the hate speech to exclude religious organizations from the provisions. But it still doesn't go far enough for you as a person that's evangelizing, yeah. speaking. So this is where the international um, experience has been where Christians have been persecuted and have been prosecuted for evangelizing on street corners. And this is not some far left-wing place. This is in the United Kingdom in certain areas, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Scotland or somewhere there was a case. So that does not deter from taking a stand. But again, that is an issue that is ongoing. So there's an outcry at the moment about gender-based violence. And I, correctly, it has reached horrifying perspectives. Horrifying. So we in the Justice Committee... And I thank God, Peter, I'm really great, but I'm the longest serving member of the Justice Committee. <laughs> um, and it's been an honor. We are busy dealing with a number of pieces of legislation to amend, to tighten up. And it's what we've been saying for years, besides the issue of capital punishment that we've been saying, the issue of tightening up bail provisions, tightening up parole pr provisions, um, stricter sentencing, man mandatory sentencing, a lot of that has, is being now implemented. One of the issues is domestic violence. The Domestic Violence Act is being amended to make it easier for women, children in a domestic violence situation to get help. Often they go to police stations and they're not getting the assistance and then horrendous issues happen. And I think this is incredible, but suddenly you get this Clause. One of the matters, you've got all this different uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, spiritual abuse is now defined as if anyone uses their scriptures to control, to manipulate another person, then that amounts to domestic violence. I'm like, how can, whoa, that, and it's subjectively seen by the complainant. How wide is that? objected to that and I'm not trying to rephrase that and they've said well give us a, a suggestion but what was so interesting sometimes the secular humanists they overshow their hand you know? yeah. and they come and they say no we've got to put this in because you know that script is abused used to abuse now I'm thinking well maybe it can be you know um, you could have a person of a certain faith uh, that's not necessarily Christian, that abuses his wife, you have a, different faiths in a marriage. It could happen. Spiritual abuse, it could happen. Um, the lady says, I'm not, the example I'm giving you is that people use the scripture, spare the rod and spoil the child. And like, I'm like, I know exactly where this is coming from. And I object in Parliament and I say, how dare you say that? Um, but correctly, and I'm saying to the, now I'm the chairperson, so in other words, you're telling me we're trying to fight sexual abuse, the high levels of rapes in our communities, and now you want to lock parents away for saying, if you go into the street again, I'm going to smack you. That is spiritual. Because, then the, well, that is an example of how or using well I believe in 
moderate parental chastisement. I believe in that. We as a party believe in that. Moderate parental chastisement. But that's now been found illegal by the courts. The basis is, one of them is spare the rod and spoil the child, lovingly. Okay? Now, using that scripture to justify, applying moderate parental chastisement is spiritual abuse in terms of the Domestic Violence Act, as it is presently formulated. But thankfully, you've got an ACDP member there that is fighting that. And the chairperson is horrified. He says, but how can you want to make Criminals of all the parents in South Africa. Now, I know the judgment has already been passed that is criminalized. Parental smacking, it's criminalized. But he's saying, and now the lawyers and these secular guys are in a quandary because he's instructed them to change the clause. So they know that they've got to adhere. But what has happened? The Constitutional Court came out and said, you may not use the defense anymore of that common law, which is based on our common law. You may not use the common law of, as a defense if you are charged with smacking your child. They said you can't use that defense. Nowhere in law, because we stopped that previously when they wanted to change the Children's Act to put in it's a crime to smack your child, the ACDP stopped that. Nowhere in any law does it say that. Now this is going to be incorporated. And so, Thankfully, we are there to oppose that. Dear friends, I see there's so much, but I am, my time is up. May I just quickly say there are always glimmers of hope. And one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest uh, things of my 20 years was being part of the ESCOM inquiry. And that was bringing the kingdom into a dark place. And I remember so clearly when uh, Pravin Gordon was fired, he didn't run away as a minister under the Zuma administration. He stayed, and I remember seeing him, and I've been part of the SABC inquiry, and I really, I said to the, the ANC there, we've got to go after the ESCOM. That's where the corruption is taken. Now, I don't even serve on that committee. And then I saw Provin Godan, and I believe it was, um, and I, I really started to pray, and I sensed the Lord saying, I must be part of that. I need to be part of this. And I said, I'm going to, would you... I'm thinking of coming across to the public enterprise. He said, come, we need a lawyer there. We need another lawyer. So I got involved. But from the word go, the levels of intimidation were intense. And I remember that was still when former President Zuma was the president. There were different factions. And this was the first parliamentary inquiry that started to take on the vast corruption. And I knew that being there was bringing the kingdom of God in. And many of the members there were believers. And I said, we will pray. We will pray. And I remember the death threats coming to the ANC chairperson, to her children. And she'd phone me and say, Steve, I said, don't worry, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And my God is a consuming fire. And whilst we pray, not a hair on your head will be touched. And the DA member, her car was moved and opened some. So there were the levels of intimidation because we're talking about billions of brands. And I got so angry in my spirit that I had the opportunity to address the nation when we had a debate. 
And this is where we've got to develop a righteous anger. And I said, you that are threatening this parliamentary committee, you, stop it. We are resolute and determined to expose this corruption. So stop trying to intimidate us. And don't you know that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. And at the end of that inquiry, much of that evidence is now before the Zondo Commission. We received an award. First time that I can ever remember that the public enterprises received an award from the secular media, change makers of the year, for the work we did. And that was the shift that started. But in that time of deep prayer, I sensed the Lord saying, you're going to see money that has been stolen come back. You will see restoration. You will see Joel 2.25. I will restore what the locust has eaten. And the one day we were cross-examining McKinsey Management Consulting, a New York-based company that got a 1.6 billion rand contract. And after a day of cross-examination, I enjoyed it. I had an hour one-on-one cross-examining the gentleman. He said at the end of the day, we want nothing more to do with this. We will repay one billion rand. And they repaid it. And I said, what about the interest? They repaid one billion rand. So our God is in the process of restoration. But we've got to have courage and be bold. And I remember... Today, if you watch the news this afternoon, Mashili Koko is appearing before, again, before the Zona Commission. I remember cross-examining him, and I thank God for giving me the wisdom and insight and courage. During the cross-examination, he appealed to the chairperson. Chairperson, please protect me from the ACDP. I said, yeah, you need protection because you're not telling the truth. So we thank God for this opportunity we've had. But it is time for us to take a stand for our Judeo-Christian values, for our biblical values that are under incredible threat at the moment worldwide and in South Africa in particular. And there is a reservoir of people, of a remnant almost. But so many people have got a, a belief system. But we are under so many cultural attacks, probably the most significant is the Marxist cultural attack that we are receiving on a daily basis with expropriation, without compensation, national health insurance, all these issues that are just come one after the next, after the next, after the next. But I want to conclude by saying that our God is sovereign, he's in control, and he requires one or two of us to take a stand says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked people rule, the people mourn. Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood against Nazism. He said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold you blameless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Thank you so much. And my apologies, I went a little bit over time. Thank you so much.